Hi to all our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on again. We had incredible feedback last week from Rabbi Moshe Friedman. And this week we have someone who's actually has a very, very busy weekend coming up. He's the director of Aishon Campus. They have this weekend 150 students together with the Rabbi and Rebbitons of Aishon Campus. And I really appreciate Rabbi Gideon Goldwater for coming on this week's show. Thank you so much for having me. Privilege. Hi, Rabbi Goldwood. The first question I'd like to ask you, just tell us so all our listeners get to know you a bit. What, what is it that you do? What is it that I do? Um, okay, so I guess you, you mentioned it already. I work for HUK and I run our campus department, which basically is all events and programming for Jewish university students across uh, England, branching a little bit into Scotland as well. Um, and we, we, we're able to kind of reach students on approximately 15 different university campuses, some of the bigger campuses um, around the country. We even have um, rabbis and rabbitsons that live um, locally on the campuses around the country as well um, to be closer to the students there. Um, um, and together with that, we do we, we, the, the exciting bits. I missed out the exciting bits, which is like we, we take we take students away on trips for to provide immersive experiences for them, trips and weekends to get them away from their kind of regular lives and and give them a chance to experience um, Jewish education in a far, far more kind of wholesome way, um, away from home. Right, right, very nice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Okay, so here's a question I've been asking um, during the week to our guests on the show. What do you think is critical for every, every Jew to know? What is central to Jewish thinking that you feel, whether it was missing growing up, whether today this is a more important message that needs to be heard for every single Jew? What a question. <laughs> um, I think, am I only allowed to say one thing? So do we have to focus on one or maybe the, my top thing that I think that every Jew should know? Um, there's like the obvious ones. Everyone, every Jew should know that Hashem loves them. But that, that, that I feel like is cliche. And, and I think there's probably more practical um, elements or parts to that that, that, that that might be more helpful for people to know. Because um, I think just being told, uh, you know, there's two things. One is knowing something really and one is just being told something. And I think... Thank goodness, or Baruch Hashem, we're not, we're, not, we're not lacking people telling us things or things that we're supposed to know. But it's, it's more, I think, actually knowing would be, would be good. Um, and there's a, a kind of a, a short list in my mind, I think, of a few things that I, uh, some of which I came to know early on in life and other things which um, maybe later, but, but, but kind of, if I was doing it again, wish I would have known earlier. Um, so... I think what I would say first and foremost is I wish I had an earlier exposure to the level of and depth of thought that Torah thinkers, both today and in the past, um, were teaching and capable of, of, of reaching. I just feel like I was exposed at some point in my life to, to, to the breadth and depth of thought from some of my teachers that just blew me away to the point that the strongest kind of bedrock of, of emuna or of bitochen that that that, that um, I ever do feel in my life is 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 very much rooted on the fact that some of the great minds and great teachers that I've encountered give me that level of confidence to say if you know this person just to give you an example as to what I'm talking about so that it's not so um, abstract. Um, I once had a teacher in in um, 
yeshiva that said to me, um, you know, you can't read the shach and not believe that there's a bayriyolam. You cannot read and learn the shach and not understand that there's an infinite creator who made the human mind. Because there's no way, there is no way that such a thing was just, uh, you know, that such a mind came about from, uh, you know, bumping things, bump, bumping together randomly. It cannot be. Um, and, and I guess experiencing education or teachers that have that impression, I don't know if you've ever had that, where you're just blown away by the scale of their thought. That for me is something that really was quite, quite, quite um, formative. I would say it shaped my appreciation for the Amitias, the truth of our um, tradition, Amasaira, but also the the security that you have when you're faced with, I guess, 21st century um, world, especially in the line of work that I um, I'm involved in, in going to university campuses, speaking to university students. Um, where I guess the rest of the world respects these people, um, the professors and of academia, the, 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 the you know the real scholars of, of of all kinds of different ways of thinking. People you know to some degree worship them and think that they're the be all and end all. And sometimes you can find yourself questioning and saying, to, you know, do we have that? And then you know it's it's exposure to people and thinking and Torah on that of that caliber, like the Shach and, and you know Baruch Hashem, plenty of others that um, really gives you a sense of oh, we've, got, we've got it and more. And, and that, not, I think, not is really able important. To, not everyone's able to learn a shach. And it also, it could be when, you know, when someone is a, is a teenager or maybe a bit older than that, they haven't got the access to learn it. So what, what other avenues are there that would uh, give the person the ability to be able to realize the profundity and depth of Torah knowledge? So, so, so there's a few things to say to that. Number one is, is that I think there is, there is now accessibility, um, whether, it's, whether it's in terms of um, the availability of shi'urim now for, for literally any kind of interest and any kind of level. That's definitely true. Certainly in terms of the written works, like in, in terms of sforim, there's, there's available in every possible language under the sun. Really, really good, deep stuff. If you want a kind of a list of, of recommend, recommendations, I can do that. But um, I think there's another point here as well. And, and I, I remember once discussing when I was in the mirror, um, I was once, uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone was saying, you know, you know, there's a lot of people here. I don't know if you go to university, they're much more intelligent. There's much more kind of uh, what we would call hasmad over there. And, and I remember we thought we sat down and we thought it through. And I said, step one, pretty much everyone in the room that I was sitting in, the base medrash that I was sitting in in the mirror, pretty much everyone in the room was on some degree trilingual before they walked into the room. They spoke three languages as a baseline, even the, even the, the, the weakest boys in the whole base medrash, right? Now, find me a university where that's the baseline of entry, right? Then look at the hours in terms of the schedule of the day. You know, I've, <laughs> having been on campus and seeing student schedules, I, you know, I don't want to downplay anyone, but I mean, I don't know, some of them are on five, six hours a week. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insanity. You compare that to a yeshiva schedule. Uh, you know, the, the 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 level of scholarship of the teachers in a yeshiva. I think, in my experience, having kind of traveled through both worlds, is you know puts the university world to shame. Um, and and you know, when you talk about the level of information that let's say someone takes a smicha exam, I remember I sat a rabbinate um, 
smicha exam in Israel for the for the rabbinate, and it was a six hour closed book written exam. Uh, I've never had such a migraine in my life by the end, and it was only on one. So it was in Hilchas Shabbos. It was only on a very small portion of of all the halachas, and and it was you know if you look at the whole Shulchan Aruch and you isolate all the simonim that, that that test was on. It's a tiny fraction, but the, the amount of knowledge that you had to walk into that room knowing was, was insane. And that was just one test in order to get smicha from the, from the Rabbanu, you actually needed six of them. So I'm saying like, you know, you compare that to, to, to even without being, um, you know, a particularly brilliant or intelligent person yourself, with a, you don't need to have the ability to understand these things, but to appreciate the level of thought and, and complexity there is is you know competes with the best and i think it's always i wish i wish i would have kind of appreciated this at a young age maybe it maybe it's a good thing maybe a direct answer to your question is that we've got the best you don't need to be ashamed i think often people are nervous because i guess the world out there uses um different words longer terminologies and vocabulary etc and, and sometimes we can get a little bit oh we're not that bright you know um it's so not true. You, we, you know, you, we've got people like the Vilma Goyne or Bikiva Ega. Like, it's, it, I just find like that for me gives me a big chizot. Certainly something I wish I would have known at an earlier stage so that certain questions I had in my teenage years perhaps wouldn't have even been questions had I really um, appreciated that we had that level of thought and thinkers within the Jewish people both today and in the past. So I think, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. I don't know whether you're expecting like that one to be my first... Uh, important thing to know but uh i think it's a good one no i i i do like that thank you i appreciate it every person's experiences are different i just want to go back at the beginning you said you know maybe is said enough how much hashem loves us um you know i think the fact that the thank you hashem movement has been so big recently shows that there was perhaps a lack of that in the world in the jewish world how do you see it if you had to how do you experience that love of hashem how do you formulate it in your mind and how do you help that get through get through in your life through uh, that knowledge it's a good question i'll tell you why it's good because I'm, I'm i grew up in in, in london and, and I'm, I'm pretty british you might be able to tell from my accent but i'm, I'm pretty english in, in that sense um and for those who know english people and emotions is is often assumed that they don't go together but i always tell people in in one ways i'm a very emotional person um there we go we're getting getting all deep and personal but um um the two are not a contradiction. The two are not a contradiction. You can be very British in, 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 by, you know, in all the positive senses, which is being very polite and formal and all that kind of stuff, whilst simultaneously being a very emotional person and connecting emotionally both to other people. And in, the, in this context, Hashem, and I, in the context of your first question, linking it to the second question is, I, I, you know, I wish people would have taught me that younger as well, as in, you can have an emotional relationship with Hashem, which is that doesn't result in you becoming less British or being, you know, more kind of less proper, etc. You know, just like you can enter into a relationship, you can get married, you can etc. With you, whatever personality you have, being in love with someone doesn't mean changing your personality. That's very important. And that means loving Hashem and being in a relationship with Hashem, i.e. recognizing that not just that you love him, but he loves you, um, doesn't mean changing your personality. In fact, your personality has nothing to do with it. And that, 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 that for me was a, kind of a little bit of a paradigm shift when I realized that. 
you don't need to become, you know, for example, I don't want to speak about specific groups of people, but, you know, for example, some of the yeshivas that I went to, it was like, there was a certain pressure to behave in a certain way, to dress in a certain way, etc., in order to express how well you were doing, I guess, in yeshiva, um, you know, how close to Hashem, what did your davening look like? Uh, and I always felt that like, yes, when it, when it's based on how other people are behaving, that might express certain things, but it definitely doesn't express your actual relationship with Hashem. That's between you and Hashem. And, and the expression of that is often not external, but internal. So for example, someone once told me, um, you know, the, the people who really know how to daven, you might not even see it on their face. <laughs> you, they might just be sitting there and it looks, you might look at them and say, oh my gosh, then it doesn't look like they're davening at all. And, and, you know, they're just, now it could be, they're not, it could be they're just standing there doing nothing. Um, but um, when, when I came, when I, when I got to spend time with Rabbi Yitzchok Berkowitz, one of my Rebbein, I think we share that in common, um, is, is, you know, you don't see him when he's davening, you just see a man standing still with intense concentration. But you, if you were to stare at his face, you would see a, a kind of calm, uh, serene look. You wouldn't see this intensity of sweat. That, what does that mean that he's not connected in a way? Like on the contrary, you know, he's it's so developed that 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 process, that emotion, that that connection, I think, is on the inside. But I'm, I'm kind of going off topic because I feel ultimately it's 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 so important that young people and everyone knows that Hashem loves them. And I feel like the word love is, is, is because in the world we live in is so misused and relationships are so misunderstood and romance is, is such a kind of perverse concept that we're, we're, we're scared to talk about it. We don't speak about it um, in, 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 in the right way or enough. And, and I guess definitely top of the list of what every Jew has to know is that it's real. There is a relationship, and just like you have a relationship with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, um, that connection can be there for, for, for you with Hashem. And if, if you don't have it, you know, what, what, just, just imagine like, what life would look like if you, if you had a connection with the infinite creator of the universe in that way. And I'm talking to myself here, like how awesome would that be if you wake up in the morning and, and that's what you feel? You know, it's like, it's like when your best friend comes, you know, you're so excited to, to, to you know, you're counting down the days and they're like, you know, or you, you know, you're living abroad from your loved ones, your parents are abroad, you know, and then they let you know they're coming in two weeks. So excited, you're counting down the days and then the day has come, you haven't even seen them yet, but it's the day you're going to see them. So exciting. Can you imagine like living with that feeling the whole time, like, you know, that you've really, you're really with someone you love, like that, that, that. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're striving for, I think. Right, to have that, to have that emotional connection with Hashem, that's really, really beautiful, and it's uh, also great to hear that that's what you feel, because I, uh, I also feel very much so. I didn't, I didn't say I feel that. I said I'm talking to myself. That, uh, right. No, no, I, that, it's, uh, allowed, it's, wish, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, uh, it's great. It's great that that's what you feel and what's what you think. That's critical and, and central to Jewish thinking. Um, okay, thank you. That's a really amazing point. Well, I have a new question that I'd like to ask our guests toward the end of the show, and that is uh, the following question. Who, who is the most influ influential person that you came across or who had an impact on you and how did they have an impact on you? Wow. See, all these questions I could spend like, maybe it's just me, my personality, I could talk for, forever, but uh, there's, uh, there's one person that comes to mind because I've uh, you know, thought about this before and it's someone who had an impact, although I only, only ever met him once. Is that allowed? Does that count? Sure. 
Sure, that's the most influential uh, person in your life. So, sure. so, so I, I once had the tremendous honor of meeting and hearing um, from Rav Noach Weinberg, um, but I say he had a biggest, a, a massive impact on me, not not necessarily because of that one time I met, but but more from his teaching and potentially his students. Um, uh, I think I think his his ability to kind of get down to the root issue. He always had a way of cutting down to the core, stripping away all the kind of nourishkeit or the things that don't really matter with whatever it was he was talking about, whether it was to filler, davening, whether it was um, how to get the most out of life. He, you know, he had this way of breaking it down to the, 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 the fundamentals. And definitely when I was probably about 16 or 17 when I first met him, um, it it, it it went straight through it went straight it was like that is exactly what i needed to hear right then and it really really um impacted me and i remember i'll never forget i was in uh, i think it was in my first or second year of yeshiva when i heard that he had passed away so that was probably going on about 12 12 years ago i think now um and for someone who had only ever met him once i remember being deeply impacted and moved even though I didn't really know him and he didn't know me. And for, for me, that, that was, was quite reflective of, of um, who he was and everything that I've learned about him as a person since then. Um, Can you give one example? One example of what he, what he said that really made me that one thing. I, I, I will never forget him when he, 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 when I heard it from him in person, when he taught a famous, now a famous story that he said about defining your terms. I was I was seventeen, and I was I I was just getting into all these kind of discussions, and how do we know there's a God, and how do we know Yiddish guy is true, and and I remember his 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 the marshal that he gave about defining terms, and it's crazy how relevant that is. His marshal, I, I don't know whether I need to say it because it's so famous, is that the, the man came into him, as someone came into him saying, "I've been in Israel for months now looking for kedusha." Been looking for holiness over the whole of Israel. I've looked, I went to Eilat, down south, I went to Golan, up north, and I can't find Kedusha anywhere. And I, it's Israel, I should find Kedusha. So Rav Noach responded to him and said, did you find a bafuf stick? <laughs> There's a famous story. So the guy said, he said, what's a bafuf stick? So Rav Noach said, it doesn't matter what a bafuf stick is. Did you find one? So he said, what do you mean? How on earth am I supposed to tell you whether I found a bafuf stick if I don't even know what it is? So he said, exactly. So don't come in here and tell me that you can't find Kedusha because you, you have no idea what Kedusha is. Before you stay, you can't find something. You have to define your terms. You have to know what you're talking about. And for me, that's been like a, so many times, and it's not just uh, in, in, in Yiddish guy and, and Torah thinking, but I think interpersonal relationships as well. Whenever you find yourself in like a, a dispute or an argument with a friend or someone, whatever it is, if you stop and take a step back and ask, hang on a minute, have I, you know, what, what is it that we're actually talking about here? Have we defined, uh, you can often realize that you're not, you're not arguing or, you know, or that you're arguing about something that really doesn't matter or et cetera, et cetera. And for me, that, that, that one kind of just incredibly clear, lucid way of explaining something to a, at the time, teenager, that suddenly it clicked and I said, yeah, Gosh, the most important thing when you're ever discussing anything is to define your terms. And that's true in learning as well. You know, whatever sugi you're in, if, you know, if you can't define the basic term that you're not, you know, you've got you know, Daniel and Dafyomi, the sugi is a braver that came up over loads of times. 
what is braver? Like, what does it mean? What does it do? So like, I found that that was that just the level of clarity always got to me. His examples, like that that marshal, I just found it made it so clear to me. Like, and it's not deep, it's not complex, but it's true. And the more you say it, the more kind of time goes by, the more true I realize it is, which is generally mm-hmm. true of the most true things in life. It's interesting. Um, um, Rebakovitz actually this weekend when he was giving Mr. Sashim his introduction, Mr. Sashim is saying people could be you know, going through life and and doing things. And they think they're being an Eved Hashem, but they, they're trying to do a mitzvah here, mitzvah there, but they haven't never defined exactly what it means to be an Eved Hashem. They might be living their whole life, but doing the wrong thing, that defining exactly what their purpose of life is and what it truly means to be an Eved Hashem. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, wishing you Hatzlocha Rabba. You should, have, uh, you should all go well this weekend. It should give meaning. Amen, and, uh, amen. Thank you weekend. so much all those participants and thanks to all the listeners and we hope you enjoy the Thinking Jewish podcast and thank you for all the feedback. Wishing you all a uh, wishing you all a wonderful week. Thank you so much.